Today's episode is sponsored by A La Carte Games. Who hasn't been in a group of people who can't decide what restaurant to visit or what to order for food? Well, What's for Dinner is a light and quick family-friendly card game for two to six hungry players, designed to cleanse the palate and maybe even give the winner the right to decide dinner plans. Players will navigate through a couple different traits during the game, having to choose either to stick to their dietary restrictions, like, say, IBS, or being a vegan, or even break their diet and maybe pay for it the next day. One trait stays visible the entire game and one remains hidden until the end of the game, like being a dumpster diver. Players roll the food die to see what they're craving on their turn and grab meals with food icons that match their trait cards before other players snatch them up, or you might end up going without. And can it be grabbed up before it gets thrown out to the dumpster? What's for dinner? A family-friendly game for 2-6 to six players that takes 15-20 to 20 minutes to play and is able to solve life's greatest debate. What's for dinner? Make sure you check that one out on Kickstarter right now. And as always, hosting for this podcast is provided by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, talk about expansions. Talk about expanding your game, adding things to it, changing things around. Second editions and whatnot. We're talking to Sami Laxo of Snowdale Design. Sami, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Gabe. It's great to be here again. Yeah, man. You've got some really cool stuff you've been working on. Uh, you, we were talking right before the show how Donna Peacemakers, which you're on, last time you were on here, we were talking about that. It's almost ready. Like, it's almost in backers' hands. And so I'm yeah. excited for, for that to get out to people. It looks like a really cool game. And today we're talking about how to kind of expand some games. This is something that uh, when you and I were trying to figure out topics for the show, you're like, let's talk about expansions. Like, we need to talk about this. This is something that, that designers really need to to have more information on. And so I'm excited to get into that. But first, real quick, just in case people didn't hear that last episode or don't know who you are, give me your quick bio. How'd you get into game design? What you do with publishing, all that good stuff. Yep. So as you already said, I'm Sami Laakso from Snowdale Design, and uh, I design, illustrate, and publish my own games. And so far, I have two uh, game series. The first one is Dale of Merchants, which is a deck building game. And second one is the Dawn of Peacemakers, which uh, it's a war game where you're trying to stop the war between two warring factions. And uh, I just uh, love creating games and uh, publishing them myself. So I have pretty much control all over everything, everything I want to include in them. Yeah, I understand that, man. All right. And so let's, let's talk about expansions. What, first of all, what, what is an expansion? Well, give me a good like idea, a good definition of what you or what we're going to mean, what we're going to talk about as far as an expansion goes. Yeah, so for myself, I would say anything that uh, is released after a game has been uh, published earlier, which expands the game in any way. Uh, but then if, if it's just a few cards or something like that, then it's mostly likely called a promo because it doesn't change the game that much but when you're actually speaking about a bigger box or a main component to the core of the game then i would then i would label it as an expansion yeah that's a good point it's not just a promo card that people hand out at conventions or something like that that just adds a little extra thing here and there we're talking about adding either a bunch of cards whether it's more of the same or maybe you're adding a new mechanism you're adding a new faction you're adding new ways to play the game that sort of thing, right? Yeah. Uh, new content for the game to make it fresh again for people who already like the game so they have more reasons to come back to it. Yeah, awesome. And so let's talk about why. Why do publishers, why do game designers make expansions? What are some of the some of the reasons? Uh, for those two different uh, parties, the reasons can be quite a different. <laughs> That's a great point. Let's, let's, talk from the, to... yeah, let's talk about publishers first. Yeah, they want to release uh, expansions so they can uh, firstly sell the expansion and sell more of the base game of the game where the expansion is expanding to. And for designers, it's mostly because you like <clears throat> your game so much that you want to keep designing and developing and diving into the game even after uh, publishing the first game. Yeah. Most often you even have some ideas while you're creating the game in the first place that uh, you just have to cut off and an expansion is a great way to bring that back into life, so to speak. 
Yeah, for sure. And now you mentioned kind of a boost in sales. What what have you seen as far as that boost goes from that publishing side? So you release an expansion. What what do the sales do just in general for the base game? Uh, so for the first uh, series of mine, the Dale of Merchants, there are the first game and the Dale of Merchants 2, which is a standalone expansion, which we can talk about a bit later. Yeah. Uh, about de- doing an expansion that is a standalone or it regards the base game. Mm-hmm. But in general, uh, it really uh, brings the game back to life for people who have the first game. And then the, if the first game was well received, a lot of new people will come in with an expansion. And when they when they do it, really ups the, ups the sales of the game and makes it more... Uh, popular and that that's the main thing it uh, brings the game back and makes it way more popular in in the eyes of of people and in my case it has more than doubled the sales of the first game wow that's crazy i wouldn't expect a 200 percent increase that's, yeah, that's awesome. without speaking about uh the sales of the expansion itself yeah very cool another thing i've seen is just from a publishing side and especially on kickstarter is if a company releases an expansion through Kickstarter, then you bring you bring your your built-in audience, the people that already bought the first game, and now they're coming back to that Kickstarter because they want to, you know, they want to get the expansion. But now that also increases your your likelihood of being found by other new people that didn't even know about your game. Like, oh, what is this new game on Kickstarter? Oh, cool, it's got this new expansion, whatever. Maybe it's uh, at a reduced cost, and so you bring in people that way as well. So I've seen expansions do really well on Kickstarter, just kind of bringing not only the the, the crowd you already had, but also bringing in new people as well. Yeah, that that is correct because uh, in, in Kickstarter it's often often publishers want to uh, add add-ons for all of their games in their catalog to each of their campaign but it doesn't make too much sense and people don't aren't actually too interested in other games that are way different but when you have an expansion of course you will have a tier which has just the base game or the base game and the expansion or just the expansion it just makes so much sense to offer everything that you have for that that series. Yeah, definitely. And now, you know, the ratio, just thinking from the publisher side still, the ratio is not necessarily one-to-one. Like, if you sold 1,000 copies of your game, you're not going to necessarily sell 1,000 copies of the expansion. And so what what does it look like as far as, I'm, if I'm a publisher, how, how do I judge how many games to print, like how many expansions to print? That way I don't end up with just a whole bunch sitting in my garage. Uh, person, personally... I don't have too much experience on just uh, simple expansions because I have uh, released just uh, standalone expansions. I have one a smaller uh, deck for Dale of Merchants, but that's kind of promo, kind of mini mini expansion, kind of in between those two. But uh, for that, I uh, roughly estimated that I wanted to print at least like uh, 60 to 70 percent of the first game but that's just for me and it was kind of promo that i most often more often than not uh, offer for free at conventions for people yeah gotcha so do you have any any advice though just from just from that would you i mean 60 70 60 to 70 percent sounds like a good number to me like kind of in that two-thirds to three-quarter range like uh, of printing Is, any advice on that uh, if you're going to run a Kickstarter campaign, that helps tremendously yeah. because then you can have exact numbers, how many are interested, and then you can compare those to the, your maybe your previous campaign with the base game and then uh, roughly sketch out that because it's I believe it's pretty much uh, game by game basis and uh, crowdfunding helps a ton when you don't need to guess how many games you want to print. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's go to the other side and look at it from the designer standpoint. Why, what are some reasons that the designer would really want to make expansions? Yeah, so just as I said earlier, uh, often when you are designing a game, you have more ideas for it uh, even immediately after the game is uh, set in stone so and st- sent to the publisher or, or st- stuff like that. So... Uh, you often can uh, you you feel the thirst to to expand the game in, in in the way that you had in your mind in the first place, and 
an expansion is usually aimed for people who already like the first game, so you can kind of uh, go a bit higher in the complexity level of the game, and that that's also something that you have to keep in mind, even more so when you have to, you are developing just a base game because people are playing the game for the first time, but you as a designer are pretty much never playing the game for the first time, so you want to get uh, get the more advanced stuff in there, and an expansion is a great way to do that. Yeah, for sure. And you know, this is something I've talked to people in the past about, and they said, yeah, the, the base game used to be a lot bigger, but they had to take some things out to simplify it to either you know, because it was a component issue or just a cost issue or complexity issue. They, for whatever reason, they took things out. And so the expansion gives, gives you a great opportunity to put some of those things back in and, and kind of put those ideas back into the game that maybe you had to take out during playtesting or during development or because the publisher had you know, different issues. And so I think that's just a really cool way to look at it, things too. Like if you have a very complex game, don't feel like you have to have everything in there. Maybe take some things out, simplify it a little bit, and then look to some expansions to kind of go back to that more complex nature of things. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And I... I agree on all of, on all of that, but something to keep in mind is st- still to make the base game stand on its own without the expansion that you maybe had an idea while designing the base game, because sometimes it can even feel like the base game is designed in a such a way that something is actually missing and it doesn't quite feel complete. And the first idea is maybe the publisher cut, out, cut away too much from this game just in hopes to sell expansions later. So it's a tricky line. You have to balance it. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and I think some games you can kind of tell, or, or it's even, even more so with like stretch goals on Kickstarter. It's like, okay, this is supposed to be in the base game, but you made it a stretch goal just you know to have a stretch goal. Like this this yeah. character, these cards, whatever, they, they were going to be in the game anyway. You just want it. It just makes it look good to have those, those stretch goals. And I, th- I think people, well, they might get a little annoyed with that. I don't know that they're going to get upset, but I, I think we, we all kind of know at this point uh, after seeing so many Kickstarters when, when somebody's yeah, doing us. that. Kickstarter and crowdfunding is maturing and people are seeing it more and more. They can even more easily see see through all of all of that. Yeah, for sure. This is something I'm dealing with uh, on the space game, where you and I were talking a little bit before the show about the space game I've been working on, is I've got some really interesting ideas for other factions. I've got four factions in the game right now, and I've got ideas for two more. And it's interesting. I've been doing the playtesting and development, and it's like, okay, these these factions are... They're, they're good, they're fun, they're just not ready yet. I think that's another thing, too. You, you kind of sometimes you run into deadlines, and so you know certain things just weren't ready for the deadline, either get it to the publisher or get it to the printer or get it on store shelves or whatever. And so you have to go, okay, uh, let's take a step back. Let's put a little more time into this, do a little bit more development, want to play test it more, and then we'll re- release it down the road as an expansion. Uh, have you found that to be the case in your own you know, your own games? Like, did you have factions for, uh, oh, what was it? Was it? Oh, what's the name of your game? Everdale? Not Everdale. What is uh, it? Dale of Merchants. Dale of Merchants. There it is. Everdale's a new game I just saw yeah. earlier. Uh, Dale of Merchants. Did you have like faction ideas that you kind of had to, oh, let's, let's pump the brakes and, and wait on this? Yeah, even when I designed the first game, I had ideas and we ha- I had mechanics even more than six decks that the first game included. But I just had to draw the line somewhere because, uh, of course, because of the price points and uh, t- time to te- uh, develop and playtest all of them. But I had multiple, multiple decks after those, which many of those uh, came in development as two. And after that, I still had ideas left uh, bouncing in my head. And just you have to draw the line somewhere because otherwise the game is going to, what, cost 200 bucks. And- <laughs> right. It'll take five years to develop, and you you will never get this ready. Yeah, that's a great point, and you kind of you got to balance that. You know, is it, is it going to take six more months to develop these extra factions, and is it worth that amount of time? Versus, okay, I've got enough, I've got enough factions, I've got enough options and and choices in the game. Let's just do it now, and we'll worry about those stuff later. Uh, and it, for you, it's got to be even harder because you're not only the designer, you're also the publisher. So you have to kind of figure out that line for yourself. That's one thing that's good about a publisher. They can go, no, no, this is what we're going to do. And as a designer, you have to, oh, okay. It's your money. so. <laughs> but you kind of have both yeah. of those things. So how do you know, as a designer and publisher, when to go, okay, I'm, I'm drawing a line here. Let's, we're, gonna, we're not going to worry about these extra factions or whatever. Uh, so for Dale of Murders, it's, uh, I came up with uh, number six for the decks because the game is for two to four players, and you always use the player count plus one for the decks, so five decks in a four-player game. 
and I wanted uh, the players to have even at least some uh, variety when choosing the decks, even with the full player count. So six was the minimum uh, deck count that I wanted to include in a game. And it so, just so happens that it also is really, really nice number when counting the cards for public, yeah. publishing because there's the card sheets that all uh, fit just the exact net number of cards. And if you go below or above, then you're starting to see those annoying empty cards that you can design yourself after purchasing the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right, I'm looking at, at some of the notes that, that you sent me before the, before the show. And one of the things you talked about with the, the kind of designer point of view is the weird stuff, right? If you've got these weird ideas that are, you know, they're fit into the game, but maybe are just a little bit odd or a little bit more complex, then expansions give you an opportunity to kind of, kind of add those things back in. Tell me what you mean by weird stuff. Right? Give me some examples of some different things. Maybe you've seen or maybe you've worked on, maybe you've done that would qualify in that kind of weird category. That okay, it fits the game, but man, it just doesn't need to be in the base game. Let's put that in an expansion. Without speaking about a uh, specific examples, just yet, it's just. Something that uh, changes changes the game to something way different, because as told as we discussed earlier, most people who purchase an expansion for a game really really like the base yeah. game, and they purchase the expansion just because that they want more of the stuff that they liked in the in the base game, and if the expansion changes the game too much, makes it too different then it's actually not the game that they wanted the expansion for so they might pretty much dislike it at that point so it's often better to cut those really really weird ideas to just a new game and go on that so, for example some uh, playtesters and fan, fans fans of uh, Dale of Merchants suggested that there should be a multiple markets where you can purchase purchase new cards and you can move between them with some specific actions and add a board to do this this and that and I'm just telling them no that's not this game that might be a totally different game but that's not the reason people are playing this exact game yeah, and I think that's really the, the best point right there is why are the people playing this exact game, right? What do the fans want? What What is the reason that they're enjoying the base game to the point where they want to buy an expansion for it or buy extra cards or or whatever it is and, and kind of find that, that core and then do more of the core, right? And, and I guess you can add some you know interesting things here and there. I've seen, I've seen a lot of games that do like modules, right? And so they'll add these extra little things, new mechanisms or new ways to count points or new ways to move or score, all these things. And so, oh yeah, if you want to add modules and all that kind of thing, but really at the heart of it, what is the reason that, that your fans enjoy your game and how can you enhance that? And if it's something totally different, like you said, make a new game. Just make a different game in the same world, same universe, same character, same art, whatever, and you kind of bring them along for the ride there yeah so if it's possible to expand the core the meaning the thing that people most like for the game then go for it but if it's uh starting to feel and look like just a little bit something sticking out of the base game then it's probably best to just try to uh, isolate that idea and start a totally new game based on based on the new idea that you had had for the expansion maybe your new game even has something uh, left from your previous game it's designers do that all the time so it's totally fine to copy your previous design and alter it so it fits better with the new idea that you had that you first thought that it might be a better as an expansion but actually it's better as a standalone game yeah that's a great point now kind of same along these same lines let's talk about some of the different ways to expand a game i just mentioned modules i think if i remember right viticulture um was was one of the games that really comes to mind that added all these extra modules, all these extra things, these extra boards you could add to the game, extra places for your workers to go and, and new ways to score and all that. And it was really cool because you could say, all right, I'm, we're going to play this game with uh, module A and module D, and I'm not going to worry about module B and C. And you can kind of add these things to the game and change it up and make it a little more uh, interesting, a little more random uh, with the setup and all that. So that's you can kind of do module-based. What are some of the other ways you've seen people do expansions? Many games that have a large board that has, for example, worker placement spots or stuff like that, they might have introduced a totally new board that has new new spots for the workers. So it's basically changing the core to a, a variation of it. So it's kind of a module, but it's uh, at the same time, it's replacing something from the previous game. 
So replacing some of the old stuff with a new one, that's a one way. Then there's also the modules that you sp spoke that more often than not add something without taking anything out. And then there's the story-based games, which an expand like a Mice and Mystics, the expansion includes a totally new story or campaign that you can play through. And that's also kind of replacing the old one because then you're not actually playing the previous campaign. And then there's, uh, for example, in Dale of Merchants, you're always choosing some, only some part of the game that you play in each game and then adding to that pool. So, for example, in a smash up where you combine two decks together, in that you some most of the expansions expand the pool that where you can choose the decks to include in your starting deck. So that's also one great way to uh, expand a game by adding to the variety of the starting starting pool, whichever shape or form it is in the in the game. Yeah, and I think that might be one of the the main ways that people expand expand games. Like we were talking earlier, whether you're adding factions, uh, like in Smash Up or My Space Game, or you're adding or in, in Dale of Merchants, where you're adding or, or or Small World or or yeah. Dominion or stuff like that, where it's just more of the old stuff. Yeah, exactly, and it's it's giving you a, a slightly different way to play. It's it's adding maybe uh, a different way for the cards to combo with each other, or a different way for you know things to interact, or, or player different ways for players to engage. And it gives those old school hardcore fans new things to think about, new choices. You know, I, I think about Dominion. You know, Dominion it kind of became robotic for certain people that first set. Like they knew, all right, on on turn one I need this card, on turn three I need this card, on turn seven I need like they kind of had this like robotic way of playing it. And so they started adding an insane number of expansions to where you couldn't just be super robotic anymore because all of a sudden the, the, the setup would be totally different. And you might go, okay, well, in this one, oh, these cards combo differently, and these, these uh, cards over here are going to do this totally different thing than, than I'm used to. And so it gives players new choices and new ideas about ways to, to have fun with the game and ways to, so, so to speak, beat the game, right? Ways to figure the game out and, and the best way to, to do it. Yeah, and the replay value of those games actually uh, explode with those expansions because each new expansion adds even more combinations than the previous one added because you can combo those in any way so in 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 dominion in smash up in small world in Dale of merchants the different decks and the different components and races and special abilities can combo in a different way with everything that you had previously so each new expansion adds more <laughs> variety than the previous one added yeah definitely we'll talk about play testing in a, in a little bit but that that's got to be a, a bear trying to figure out all the ways the things work together and you got to make sure that the third expansion still works with the original base game it works with the like all these different things um it's, i'm just thinking about that that's that's got to be difficult to develop and play test but before we get into play testing Let's talk about the pros and cons of standalone games. Now, we're talking about Dominion, we're talking about Smash Up. So, I mean, a lot of these games that are expansions could really just be standalone games. Right? You, could, you just buy the expansion, you could have enough cards, enough factions, whatever, to play the game right there. So, what are the pros and cons to doing a standalone expansion versus you know, one that requires the base game? So, let's start for, with the pros. And one of the most obvious ones is that anyone can purchase their standalone game. And that's a huge, huge plus for a publisher when you can actually print more, uh, the same amount or even more of the expansion if it gets more, even more popular than the first game because there's, you don't have to own the first thing before purchasing the expansion or the st standalone, standalone game. So that's one of the main, main things that's a good, good thing. And it might not uh, concern the fans of the game series because they already have the game but it does concern them in a way because the more people the more new people come into the series the more likely the designer and the publisher want to design even more and publish more games and more uh, expansions for the series so that's a huge plus for even the existing fans of the series in, in that way so uh, there are a few, few cons and most obvious for people and which they might point out is that they are paying more for the get content because they might get uh, du duplicate duplicates in the in the box because you have to have some some components that maybe the base game already had and you don't need new new pair of those those starting components 
and based on different games, uh, that amount of components might be really, really low or it might be pretty high. And that's uh, one of the main things that the publishers must take into account when deciding between between these two. And something also to keep in mind is that if you do uh, include a lot of uh, more complex stuff that we talked earlier and, so to speak, take the game to the next level, it might be better to do as a simple expansion because then you know that the people already have the, and are familiar with the base game um, because otherwise new players might purchase it and uh, be freaked out by the complexity of the expansion. And on the other hand, if it's uh, if the expansion on, is on the more simple side, then it might be better to release as a standalone game because then it's more appropriate stepping stone for the newcomers as well. Yeah, that way the, the, the old old school, original OG fans, whoever you want to call them, uh, they don't find it too bland. It's like, oh, well, this didn't really expand the games. It's just kind of more of the exact same. And so, yeah, I think you have to manage it. It's all about expectations, right? Managing those expectations for old school fans and also new people who are, who are just now finding the game is, is gosh, it's, it's got to be a hard thing. It's finding that place right there where you need to be so that the old fans are, are excited about the new stuff, but the new fans aren't overwhelmed by, you know, too many complexities are too many new things like they still get that core uh game that you know that people enjoyed from the beginning yeah and one funny story i have about the uh, duplicate components that i for example must include in each standalone developers games is that they have to include so-called chunk cards which are the worst cards worst cards in your starting deck that you want to get rid of so one time, one of my friends asked what people do with all of this junk that they have from all of these different games. And then it came to me that maybe I should design a single deck that uses that junk from the different games. So it's all about gifting that useless junk to different players. So uh, that duplicate components that uh, was firstly a con and it was a negative, then it actually became a new idea for a deck. And it's one of the most... <laughs> Uh, iconic and fun decks in the new expansion because people really like to give that chunk to other people's. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so let's talk about when. Like, when do you release the expansion? Like, I feel like there's not necessarily a perfect time, but there's got to be a sweet spot in between too soon and too late. And so let's talk about what do you, what do you think is the, the right time to release one of these? Yeah, so a ni- nice middle point is, I would say, about roughly a year between the different expansions and the base game. If it's a lot shorter than that, then it can fi- come too soon and people are not kind of ready. They don't want more just yet because they haven't get too familiar with the previous expansion or the base game. And if it takes way longer than one year, so for example, two or three years, then it, people might forget the game and then they aren't as warm to the new new expansion that you have been working on. And one, one way to extend that time is, of, of course, keep people informed that you are actually working on the series. So the far back of the line is not actually that set in stone, and you can work around that. But if you publish too soon, too much, then people won't be processing them, at least not when you release them, because it's too much and they haven't been kind of got bored of the base game just yet. Yeah, gotcha. So I'm hearing you say between a year and two years, kind of in that in that range. Yeah, personally, I would say something like that. But of course, uh, different games and the amount that you include in the expansion cha- can change this radically. So if you are publishing, releasing really small expansions that have just a tiny bit of cards or components or elements to the game, then you can release them sooner after each other. But if you have... Uh, bigger expansions that have a lot of content then you really want to give players enough time to dig through that content before they actually want more of that yeah definitely i also think there's got to be some kind of of limit on it i don't i'm trying to think through because there's games like arkham horror that had i don't know 47 expansions and it's just so overwhelming like if i was if i was going to get into the game today 
and I thought, man, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get all the stuff. Wow, I'm gonna have to pay five hundred dollars to get all the stuff. Like that's kind of overwhelming as a new person coming in. Versus Jamie Stegmaier's model, and he said, you know, this is the last expansion for Scythe. You know, in the the Rise of Fenris, it just uh, just came out, and he said, this is the last one. This is it. We're not doing anything else. We're gonna move on and do other things. And so it's really interesting for a publisher to say, okay. This is going to be the last thing, even though Jamie could probably do 10 more expansions and make a whole bunch of money. But he's saying, no, no, this is this is all we're going to do. Like, what is your opinion as far as expansions to the point that it kind of dilutes the brand? Or it kind of, it just, there's just so much stuff, you know, with Arkham Horror, it's almost, a, it's a joke. It's a laughable thing. It's like, oh yeah, Arkham Horror, and it takes up your entire living room if you want to play with all the expansions. And so, like, what would be your advice for somebody trying to think through, like, how many expansions, like, how much to add uh, after the base game comes out? Yeah, that that also of course depends on what what kind of game we are talking about. So, yeah. some and and what kind of expansions you are releasing. So something that uh, like Arkham Horror or if for mainly if the game is if the expansions are mainly uh, modules that you can add in or add out, then the more you add them in, the more complex the game actually becomes. But in some cases, like Smash Up or Devil Merchants, the game doesn't actually come that much more complex. You're just swapping things in and out. So if the expansion is replacing something in the base game, uh, then you're more free to release more of them. But if it's more different add, add additions and modules that are all played at the same time, then it can really get overwhelming for players. They uh, get introduced to the game and of course as you said people tend to want everything so if they're already like 50 expansions it's pretty uh, the barrier to entry is higher than if there weren't as many expansions so as weird as this sounds because people just they, they see see all the expansions and they in their back end of their mind they want all of them if they if they get interest in the game so it might just they might not ever play it in the first place just because of that but it really depends on 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 the game and type of expansions but something also to keep in mind is that pretty much no one wants to dedicate a whole shelf just to one game and its expansions so shelf space and how many how big those expansions are physically also should be taken into account yeah let's talk about that when when do you release it as just an extra you know an extra box that they can just kind of stack on top of the original box versus releasing an expansion in a big box that then they can kind of put all the components in the new bigger box like how do you kind of judge when to do one or the other or the third option where the base game already had so, so much room in the base game that yeah it's true i guess if you can be thrown in if you're going in into it thinking okay i'm going to already have expansions coming down the line then you go ahead and make the box big enough to add those later yeah, that, that's something that you have to pretty much decide on your own because in my experience, some people want only small boxes that only contain their own content and nothing else. And some people want bigger ones that you can throw the new ones inside. And it's uh, really, really hard to make everyone, everyone happy with that. So something that uh, the approach that I have now taken is that the small base games for my series will have just a, uh, little box that doesn't hold anything in addition to that game's contents. But the next game in the series, the Devil Mercers Collection, will have a big box that will have space for the old stuff inside it and even a little bit room for the stuff that's coming in the future that I have planned. And one one way to approach it also, to, which is maybe the weirdest one that Jamie did with the site, is that he released an empty box that was <laughs> separate from the expansions and the base game. Yeah, sure. You can just buy the box. Literally, it's a, it's a box that comes in a box, and that's all you get. You get a box in a box, and that's your yeah. that's your whole game. But that's your package. <laughs> that's really uh, unfortunate that you have to uh, ask pretty much uh, quite a lot of money for an empty box because the amount of space it takes in a shipping container yeah. uh, costs money. So it uh, it's not all all just what's inside the box it's also how large the box is so it if if you go on the empty box route then you might have to charge more than you thought for the for the empty box yeah that's a good point another thing to think about just in shipping is an empty box is easier to crush 
And so like if, if a box has a bunch of extra space in it, then you have to be real careful, really aware of how it's being packaged because if it doesn't have anything underneath it to support it, then it's easier for the box to get bent, to get messed up. And I've, I've talked to a lot of publishers and they say, you know, the most ex- expensive component of a game is the box. And so when a box gets damaged and, and, a, and a buyer wants to get the box replaced, that's the most expensive component you could ask for as far as being replaced. And so yeah, it's just another thing to think Most often about. you have publishers have no additional boxes. Right. So if you request an empty box, they will have to throw out the game inside the box to send it to you. So it's that's also one, one something to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's get into playtesting. What what has been your experience? What has been your process as far as playtesting expansions? Playtesting, you know, adding extra factions, extra decks, extra cards. Uh, as far you know, like what do you, what do you do to make sure that coming out with the new stuff it doesn't break all the old stuff? So first thing that I did was just to humor myself and some of my friends. I calculated how many times I should play the game to see all the different combinations and for developments as it was multiple millions so <laughs> I just, that's not gonna work out <laughs> yeah it's not you're not going to test every sim every uh, single situation out so you have to approach in a different angle and the thing that has worked the best for me is to lay out some rules for your game that are not actually the uh, rules that players need to follow when they play the game but they are the rules that you need to follow when designing the game and the expansions so for example I have multiple multiple rules what each card in my game can do and what each card cannot do and what the card should do and by making uh, clear to myself what I want from each card and each component in the game uh, it's easier to design cards and uh, effects that are are not bo- uh, broken and are balanced. So usually you want to design something that you can something really simple to start with, and then you can compare your more uh, complex uh, effects to that to your baseline, so to speak. And that's uh, pretty much the best way that I have been able to design so many different cards and feel like they're all actually balanced because there's a baseline that I compare all of them. Yeah, gotcha. Now, with Dawn of Peacemakers, it's a scenario-based game. And so have you been working on expansions for it? Uh, I haven't been actively working on expansion for it just yet, but I have uh, uh, planned planned uh, actually multiple <laughs> expansions if, if, if I get that far. But I have... And, uh, and ideas and rough uh, outlines what they should and might might include in them, but I don't have an experience on that just yet. But mostly it's pretty much the same that I had with uh, did with the base game because that had um, multiple scenarios. So it's just where where do you uh, I could have divide the line between half of the campaign and released half of it as an expansion. It's just like designing more of the same that the game already has. Yeah, that's a good point. My, my question was going to be, you know, how is that process going to be different? You know, designing for uh, Dale Emergence where it's adding new cards and new decks and new, different things that have to kind of work together with all the other stuff versus designing, you know, other expansion scenarios that, you know, that process has got to be different. But like you said, you can just kind of go back to the same process you did before with the scenarios and, and what worked before is, is going to work now. You, just, you don't have to yeah, worry about it uh, working or playing nice with all the original stuff. Yeah, and that's, that's concerning the kind of the ground level thinking of each scenario. Uh, I can use the same approach to make those balanced by this, uh, by applying my rules on what the scenario should do and how what I want players to uh, get, get out of a scenario. But something that's totally different for that is that I have also uh, guidelines and rules for myself for a campaign. What should players feel like when they play the campaign? What should they feel after they had played it? And those feelings and the trajectory that people go through while playing the campaign, I want those feelings to be different in the expansion. And that's the first thing that I need to lay down what I want players to feel and uh, during during the campaign, during uh, the expansion. And after that, then I can use the same methods that I used while doing the base game 
for the different scenarios to make sure that they serve the bigger purpose of making the players feel something that I want them to feel during the during the whole set of scenarios. Yeah, gotcha. Now I've seen some some people, some publishers release basically upgrade packs that are either part of an expansion or it is the whole expansion. It's almost like kind of changing some things that maybe uh, that players have figured out, hey, this is broken, or hey, these cards are written wrong, or something like that. And so what have you seen as far as publishers doing that? It's kind of kind of an expansion, uh, but not necessarily adding a bunch of new content, so much as fixing the old content. Tell me, tell me about that. Yeah, that's uh, something that uh, is closely related to uh, design space and how you yourself as a designer limit your own design space uh, by making uh, any decisions while you design the game. So each card you add, each effect you add, each rule you add to the game, those uh, limit and form your own design space for the game. And that's something that you can form and change and update as you go for any standalone uh, new game that you're making. But while you're making an expansion, you're working on uh, a limited design space that you have yourself restricted yourself in while creating the base game. You can't just go and change all the base game rules or it's not actually an expansion to the game you're <laughs> designing the expansion for. So uh, releasing an update pack with uh, updated cards or components can uh, be one of the ways to alter that design space that you yourself created in the first place if some, some of the old stuff is seen broken or uh, in my case, I will release an update back for Delft Merchants, but it's not actually uh, fixing any broken stuff. It's just altering them slightly because I want to alter the design space for the new stuff. So, for example, the uh, example that I thought about the deck that gifts chunk. Some of the old cards can and old effects can get rid of chunk extremely fast, and that was never a problem because people never had that much chunk to begin with. But if one of the new and fun ways to handle Chunk is to give it to other players, then it kind of breaks that idea if you are able to get rid of all of that at once. So I had to go and look through all the effects and see that I put some limits to the cards that are actually not uh, going to be a problem for players when they're not playing with the new deck. But if they play with the new deck, they can't just go and throw away all of it at once. Yeah, gotcha. This is also a way that you could maybe go in and add some keywords or add in some extra icons. You know, if you've if you've updated your mechanisms, you've added some other ways to play, then you could kind of do some upgrade packs to kind of not necessarily fix, but just change some of the original cards. That way they're more up to date with the, the new mechanisms and whatnot. Yeah, sometimes you have an idea or a mechanic mechanics that you are explaining in the card effect, for example. But later on, you find out that you want to use that exact same thing multiple times again in a different card. And at that point, it would probably make more sense to use a, use a keyword to condense that, that uh, idea, the single single thing. And then people actually see that, hey, this is, this is the exact same thing than the previous card with this new twist, but without the keyword, it can be hard to see that they are actually pretty similar to each other. Yeah, But definitely. that's something that you can only do uh, so far while designing the base game because you don't yet know what you want and what new ideas you come up for the expansion. Right, it's, it's often hard to kind of think through all right what's this game going to be like in a year like it's it's hard to know that it's hard to know what the fans are going to you know a lot of times games come out and then fans kind of have their own ideas about what to add and then as the designer or the publisher you're like yeah it's a really good idea and so then you kind of borrow that and use that or you know maybe hire them to create an expansion i've seen publishers do that where they go outside yeah. the original designer and because somebody online you know on board game geek released their own you know personal hey check this out this new way to play and all that and so yeah it's it's it can be difficult to give yourself the leeway to know what you're going to be doing in a year or two years. And so the upgrade packs kind of let you retcon some things and fix things, you know, almost do a little time traveling and, uh, and, and fix it on the, on the front end. Yeah. So sometimes publishers just do a new version of the base game, yeah. but it can be a disservice for the fan, for the players who like the series the most, those that already have the first printing. And it can be pretty upsetting to them if you don't offer them just the new stuff, just the updated stuff to them separately. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I think Pandemic had this run into this. I think there's been a lot of you know games that run into this where they they have a new version of the game that comes out, maybe a brand new artwork, a different artwork, or maybe they fix some things. And so then the company will release like an upgrade pack. So if, if you have the base game, well, here's the extra cards with the new art. That way you can match them up to the new expansions coming out and things like that. What does that look like from a publishing standpoint? How, how difficult is that? Is that just a lot of extra complexity or is it just not that big a deal? Uh, it's, it depends a lot on which component you want to want to update. So cards are kind of kind of simple. Uh, of course, it's the most simple way is if you can uh, just update rules because then you can just hand over a piece of paper that has the new updated rules. But if you want to, if some of the components need updating, you could go with stickers, but people don't really like that. It's best if you can reprint the old component with the new new updated stuff on it. And it depends a lot on what kind of component we are talking about. But if it's uh, and if, if you end up updating like all your card text, then it might not be really, and your game is a card game and doesn't really have anything else, and it might not be worth it to sell just the update back to others, but then you might be able to find out who the previous backers, for example, were and give them a discount if they want to repur- uh, repurchase the first game or some, something like that. But yeah, there should be should be some solution depending on what what kind of uh, update pack you're talking about. Yeah, that's a great point. Now let's talk about other stuff when we're talking about expansions. Like for instance, a neoprene mat or game trays. Like all these extra ways you can kind of upgrade your game. They aren't necessarily like expanding the game, you know, but at the same time they kind of are. And so, like, what are what are your thoughts? What are your ideas as far as expanding the game with stuff other than the game? Yeah, those are mostly accessories, and more often than not, uh, the people not behind the game, not actually the original publisher, are behind most most of the uh, accessories, like uh, prettier components and realistic tokens, like Jamie Stegmaier does, and that can be used in variety of games. And sometimes the publishers licenses some other firms so they can they can print playmats with the actual game logos and think, things like that and those are of course really really nice for the people who who like the game a lot because they they can enjoy the parts of the game that they already like even more when they have more fancier fancier components yeah now is this something that you would suggest that uh, let's say i'm let's say i have my own like small publishing company and I want to do metal coins or I want to do neoprene playmats, stuff like that. Is that something I should do? I should worry about as a game publisher or should I go and find one of these third party companies that specializes in that and just kind of let them take care of it and then, and then go that route? Like, what do you, what do you suggest? If, if possible, I would suggest the second route because pretty much always those accessories will sell less than the main game, even less than any of the expansions because most people want just new content. They want, they are not as interested in the pretty components that uh, cost extra, so it's not, it might not be really reasonable or smart thing to do uh, profit-wise for a small publishing company to start uh, using their own resources to do stuff like that. That really, really small percentage of their followers will be interested in. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't want to dilute your focus. If you're a game publisher, you need to really probably focus on publishing games and, and yeah, be careful about... Yeah, one of your main, re- main resources is time, and you yeah. don't have that too much, or at least I don't, and yeah. most of us don't have. Yeah, absolutely, because it, it can be real uh, fun to chase the rabbits of neoprene mats and metal coins and really cool com- uh, components and all that stuff, but what 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 are you taking away from you know if if you're spending so much time on this thing that's only going to be a small percentage of people that even want it you know, what are you taking time away from as far as your next game or developing a game you've already you know got signed or whatever uh, so it's just yeah being aware of the opportunity cost and and even for those players who like the series if you would ask them do you want me to use time to design you really nice neoprene mats and metal coins or do you want me to do your do a new amazing expansion for the game new content that you can actually play pretty much everyone would choose the latter if they can't choose both yeah absolutely and as a small time publisher you offer more often than not can't choose everything yeah great point now 
Tommy, do you have any other advice? Do you have any advice for somebody who's maybe working on the expansion or thinking about it or, or just kind of in that process right now? Take your time and uh, feel free to design new games and bring those new ideas that you uh, develop and new skills that you create and, and learn while doing new games to some of your old, old, older ones because it's really it's also really fun to come back to one of your games after a long break because then you can see kind of like an outsider because you have been uh, working so much on something else and it's been a lo- really long time that you have worked on your previous game that it's fun to come back instead of maybe getting a bit bored for example I did Tale of Matches 1 and 2 back to back uh, one year for the first one and a second year for the second one and uh, I didn't get uh, sick of the game but working two years on a single series can can get tiring so taking a break and then coming back to it you come back with a new fresh of fresh pair of, pair of eyes so I really recommend uh, if, if you're stumped and if you're not really feeling like doing the expansion, do something else in fir- first and then come back to it later. Yeah, definitely. That's really, really good advice. Awesome. Sami, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show. you got a game on Kickstarter right now. Tell me about that real quick. Yeah, so it's the Dale of Merchants collection. It has new decks, new player abilities, big, big box to sort of store all your Dale of Merchants stuff in it. And... It's amazing, and people should check, really check it out, especially if, if they're already fans of the Elf Meta series. They really know what they're getting into with this one. Yeah, awesome. Man, I really appreciate your time. I hope Delve Merchant's collection does really, really well on Kickstarter. Good luck with that, and good luck with everything else you got going on right now. Thanks, Gabe. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?